You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. All right, Eric, it is great to be back this week. And of course, uh, we're all so busy, aren't we? Ministry keeps you on your toes, keeps you busy. And you just spent the last uh, week or so, just you and the (laughs) boys and girls, just you and your kids, right? Yes, I was Mr. Mom. Thankfully, my lovely bride uh, got home yesterday. We sent her home for nine days. One was for a quick ladies retreat and the other was to spend some time with her parents. And uh, boy, I know I love my wife, but there's no never a time where it's more evident and apparent and known in my heart when she's gone. So we are all very thankful that mama's back. Yeah, things just flow better when uh, when the whole family's oh, yes. together. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, missions really is a family event. It's a family ministry, isn't it? You, you've got to 100%. Flowing, flowing and functioning as a family. And one important aspect of missions for the missionary is the ministry of furlough. It is a yes. necessary, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call it evil. It's a ne- necessary no. part of ministry for the missionary. And I think it's got multiple benefits, not just for the churches that you're visiting and updating in person, but there are benefits to you as a missionary family uh, going on furlough. And there are benefits for the church that you are planting. All right. Now we'll get to that. How can you be being away How can that benefit the church where you're working? And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but let's, let's kind of get an overview of furlough because that's Mm -hmm. kind of a broad term. There's, we talk about furlough, some call it home assignment now, Mm, uh, because you know, when you get the idea, you get the idea of (laughs) furlough, it's kind of a, you get the idea of your, your resting, it's a relaxed time, but Mm -hmm. that's not really what it is, is it? Not often, uh, and, and certainly not in our case, as we will mention here as we go forward and kind of explain how we do furloughs. But uh, yeah, it is, it is a time that is very necessary for the missionary and necessary for the family, especially. Oftentimes, it's even more necessary, Josh, for our wife and kids than it is even for us. Uh, and it is necessary for us. Uh, and that's kind of what we're going to get in today. Really, once again, just a, a podcast where we talk about how actually Josh's family and my family, we do it differently for legitimate reasons. Uh, a lot of it's just the, the environment we're in, the distance from our home countries, and uh, but how necessary it is uh, on so many scales and so many different reasons why it's important that we come back and reconnect and refresh and, and reset and sometimes, if we can, relax. Yeah, that's right. Now, I had a uh, pastor ask me one time, and I'm sure pastors have thought of this, and even missionaries, you know, consider it. He said, you know, back in the day, missionaries would just go over there and they'd stay and they they never came. They'd stay for decades and never come back. And well, that's true. They, they did take about three months on a ship to get over to their country. And so furloughs was much more difficult. But as well, there were negatives to that as well. For example, you read those old stories and man, the wives you got missionary husbands losing their wives like every 10, 15 years, uh, illness mm-hmm. and sickness and babies dying. And I mean, just uh, it, it wasn't always ideal. And so, yeah, in the ideal world, we would just, you know, go where we're at and stay for long term. 
but I, I try to remind different pastors I speak with and even young missionaries who, you know, say, I'm just going to go and stay there for extended period of time. You got to remember the apostle Paul, when you look and review his ministry, the longest place he stayed was I think Ephesus. And he was there for three mm -hmm. years straight. And then he just, he was constantly on the move. Now he had a unique ministry that not all of us are called to, but um, we got to keep that in mind that there are definite benefits to taking a home assignment, to going back to your home country, giving reports and updates and everything we're going to talk about. Although Eric and I both do furlough a little bit differently. It's the same basic concepts. <laughs> and I believe it's very biblical. I believe that we are putting into practice what is clearly laid out in scriptures. And if not clearly laid out, we're following biblical principles uh, when we are doing a home assignment. Would you agree with that, Eric? 100%. I love, uh, I believe it's, it's in Acts chapter, I want to say the end of 13 or 14, where Paul goes back and he reports to the churches, uh, the, those who have been ordained, those who are being have been led to the Lord and those churches that have been established. And I think the principle is very clear. There's a reporting time back to those who you're accountable, those who support you. And as we'll talk a little later, there's definitely a physical, mental, and spiritual side. But I think it's clearly laid out in the scriptures that those churches were accountable to each other. Paul was accountable to those churches that gave uh, funds, that sent them out. And uh, that's exactly what we're doing when we come home on furlough. Yeah, absolutely. Last week, we talked about mission trips, hosting a mission trip, <laughs> going on a mission trip. And I think that's biblical as well. You look at scriptures, you see men like Epaphroditus, who took a trip mm -hmm. uh, from, uh, you know, from his local church, delivered some finances to Paul, and he ended up staying for long term. And so we looked last week at how beneficial a, a mission trip, hosting your supporters on the field, that could be very beneficial. Now, going back to the States, it's now time to, to do your mm -hmm. furlough. Uh, give me a, a bird's eye view. Can I briefly summarize, how do you do furlough? So it's, it's funny, going to the field, we never <clears throat> really had it in our mind. I hadn't really thought about what the time frame would be between our trips back and forth. And one of the advantages we have, and, and we're going to see that difference between Josh and I, is that we live a lot closer to the States. We can be there. In fact, this Yesterday, I picked my wife up. She took a direct flight from um, Atlanta, Georgia, where her parents are, to Santo Domingo, the capital. I think it was a three-hour flight. You know, she didn't make no connections. And so, I mean, that's like going from Florida to Nebraska or less, you know. Right. And so, yeah. for us, the distance is not a great distance. And so, we knew probably the frequency um, would, you know, could be a lot easier and, and more often. And for us, it was the first year and a half, and then we went home. But, you know, we also knew, and this is something we're getting to a little later on, is that furlough, a lot of it's based on who you can entrust. And we'll get into this. But so for our case, our first furlough was after a year and a half, but we were only home where I was for two weeks. And my wife said okay. another two weeks. And so furlough, I mean, you don't even want to call it a furlough. I mean, that was just like a trip. And so... Over the years, furlough has never been exactly the same thing. It's not necessarily planned out this amount of time. Our mission board allots us one year. I believe it is after every four years or maybe three and a half years. I'm not sure exactly what it goes. Well, I've never used that allotment up because we go home far more frequent and for far less time. And that's how it works for us to be able to reset that counter, to relax and uh, to make connections. Uh, but I know, Josh, I know you guys, 
have done it a little differently. Why don't you explain that a little bit? Yeah, we've done a little bit differently. You mentioned our mission <laughs> board and um, they, in the BIMI bylaws, I think it's for every one year you're on the field, you get three, three months, months right. uh, mm -hmm. in the States. And so you can kind of organize it accordingly. They did recently, I think maybe five years ago, they they changed it a little bit. That That remains the same one year on three months off. Um, but what they ended up doing was you can do like a special home trip that you sign, you, you fill out a separate application because right. travel is so much easier today. And it is so much easier if you're just going to make a month trip back and uh, your home church is in agreement, you're sending pastor where, you know, from the States and everything's lining up. Um, if you need to go back for a funeral, et cetera, they don't count that against the time that you're, you know, planning for furlough. <laughs> Uh, for us, yeah, we've we've done it probably every way that there is to do it. We've done <laughs> it where we've spent, I don't think we've ever been here a full four years. So the first, we went to language school, which began ticking the clock for, you know, being on the field technically. So, um, man, I'm looking at my, I'm, I'm using my webcam. It's so bright. I might need to turn down <laughs> another light here. Um, man, I'm like, You're very light. angelic. Yeah, really. So I'll change that after this segment. But um, but yeah, our first 2008, I want to say it was January 2008, we began language school. And uh, we did that until the summer of 2009. So that's about a year and a half. Then we were, I think, home three, let's see, three or four months. Our oldest son, Tristan, was born. We were back in the States in Michigan. Then we packed up in September and made our way here to Senegal. And then we were in Senegal for about three years. So in all, that was about four and a half years that we had since we had done deputation. And so we went ahead in our first trip back to the States, we did a full year. And after doing that full year, I told myself, I don't, I just don't want to do that again. We, we honestly, as a family, I think I get about two months in back in the States and I'm ready to go back. My <laughs> wife is probably around mm -hmm. the four month mark, four or five month mark. And she's like, you know, it wouldn't mm -hmm. hurt my feelings if we go back. And so, and it mm -hmm. all depends on the nature of the furlough. We've had some furloughs like our first year, that first full year back, it was just nonstop. And in fact, our second child was born. We were in a missions conference the week before Clarissa was born, and we mm. were in a missions conference a week and a half after wow. Clarissa was born. And um, I told my blue, wife man. After that, yeah, and I, my wife was a trooper, but and I, I probably should have thought that through and not done that. And I, I told her I won't do that again. That was a, uh, you know, <laughs> really pushing. But we got a lot of new churches in that first year and uh, had to raise a little bit more support. Because when we went to the field, we raised the minimum amount, even a little bit under. And so, uh, but God bless, we were able mm -hmm. to raise a little bit more support. And all that being said, we did a year with a full schedule. Uh, then after that, we did a shorter furloughs. I think maybe eight months. We did a couple trips back where it was just maybe three months. Uh, and we were back. What we try to do now, and I met a missionary in Gambia. I might've mentioned this on the podcast already, so you're going to hear it again. But he, he <laughs> told us that he spent 40 years in Gambia 
despite his family and his wife specifically having some illnesses and um, <coughs> health, health issues. And he said, the reason we were able to stay so long is because we did a two and a half years on and six months off. And that's kind of how we approached mm. our furlough. Um, and he said that way, and it made sense. He said, if you do two and a half years on six months off, you miss every third hot season, you skip it. Okay. And it, it's bad. You know? <laughs> I mean, smart. The, the, the heat smart. Takes, it takes a toll on your health. It takes <laughs> a toll on your mental health. I mean, it's, it's hard when it's 120 degrees. Um, it's not easy to, yeah, to get through that. And so you skip every third hot season, your kids get to do one semester every three years of school and uh, allowing them to get a taste of the American culture and call, you know, the Christian culture of the church and school that they attend and all of that. And so, yeah, we try to put that into practice and that's kind of our plan. This last furlough was um, kind of threw a wrench in things. My wife's mother has been developing dementia uh, over the past few years. And so with the situation with COVID, uh, we didn't want to leave, but uh, everything was fine here in Senegal. We weren't, you know, this was right in the middle of it where people were still freaking out about it. Uh, we decided, well, this is probably the last time we'll get to see Julie's mom while she's still coherent. And we'll talk a little mm -hmm. bit about, we're going to talk in a minute mm -hmm. about nationals taking over the work while you're gone. And how do you prepare that? How do you do that? But we were in a perfect spot for Malik to take over. He had just become lead pastor and so again, it, be, it was a great moment for us, a good timing to go back. And we did a little over a year, but I came back uh, <clears throat> probably three times in the span of that, I think it was um, 15 months. And so in the end, it ended up working fine. I was able to do things that uh, travel a little bit more. I did a trip to Gambia and things like that. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we approach our furlough. Now we're going to try to get into a routine of kind of two and a half years on the field, six months off. And that's, that's what we'd like to look at it from now until, uh, till we're done here in Senegal. Yeah. It's funny how you were influenced by a missionary before you, I I'm pretty sure that's kind of how I was influenced as well. I'm thinking of this interaction I had with a former missionary and he basically said to me, you know, Eric, I stay on the field. <laughs> as long as I can, before I get basically in his words, I get fed up and, uh, you know, just, he's going to overspill. I don't know what not with necessarily the anger, but just like he's had it up to here and he needs a little break. And he says, I go home for, in his case, a few weeks, maybe a month and a half. And then he said, after a few weeks, a month and a half, I'm like, Oh, I'm dying to get back to the DR to the people. And so it, it hasn't exactly been like that. We do have a little more plans, mm -hmm. but it, it's funny how similarly when we get to the end of when, you know, we've been on the field, we're getting ready to go home for a month and a half, two months. And it's like, you know, just the little things that irritate you have kind of come to a head and you're like, I, I, I could use a little break. And then after about two or three weeks eating your Chick-fil-A, going to Logan's Steakhouse or someplace like that, you're like, you know, man, I really miss back home. I need to get on that plane. And so for us, it, it's been, like I said, a lot more frequent. Uh, but not for an extended amount of periods of time. And it's also probably changed between Josh and I, the dynamics of the kind of activities we do, the things we do, um, and how maybe even our perspective on, on furlough might even be different. In my mind, it's like, it's not necessarily a vacation because it's kind of half and half, maybe three quarters. It's a lot of family time with extended family. It's mm -hmm. reporting to churches. So that requires a lot of logistics and preparing 
But then it's okay. In between that, how can we pack in a lot of things we wanted to do? And so it, it kind of is a whirlwind for us. And it's really not necessarily a, a restful time all the time. Sometimes it is, but it really is a, it can be a very, very fun and very interactive and very interesting time. Yeah, definitely. And it's a, ne- it's a necessary time. And <coughs> like you mm-hmm. said, it's, it's not a vacation time, but you do take a lot of time to visit with family. It is a time that you need to recuperate. You need to mm-hmm. kind of mentally, physically, and spiritually reset. And it's an essential time for longevity and you can do furlough wrong. You can approach it wrong. I think maybe our first sure. furlough, I, I, we, you know, we didn't have a bunch of kids at that point. We only have three kids. That's not a bunch, but it was just Tristan wow. was the uh, only kid we had. And so <laughs> I, I kept us, I mean, super busy, always traveling. Mm-hmm. And we have churches from Newfoundland all the way to California, all over the place. And so <laughs> Um, I don't stretch it out anymore and try to hit every church, especially since we don't do extended furloughs. But really, you have to, as the husband, you have to keep that in mind because there are obligations that we're going to talk about that you have, I believe, biblically to your supporting Mm -hmm. churches that is good for the health and the benefit of the church. Um, Your calling includes exhorting and uh, challenging, uh, churches, you know, that support you and join you in your efforts of world evangelism. But you also, you know, you, you've got to get that time in to recruit. You don't want to finish your furlough and be just as exhausted as if you were Mm -hmm. just finishing a term overseas. And there's a lot of stress factors working overseas. Okay. There's a reason why when military soldiers deploy, they only deploy for what? eight months at a time, one year, <coughs> two years maximum. Mm-hmm. And then they, they send them back. Um, and they, that's a full tour, right? And then you can reenlist and go back and do another tour. And because there are these stress points when you're living overseas and you're not living overseas as some wealthy executive, you're in the forefront mm-hmm. of the battle of taking the gospel to the darkest regions of the world where Satan's stronghold is not just uh, at its greatest, but it's manifest in ways that we've, you've never been exposed to in the States. And then add on top of the spiritual warfare, you're doing it in another language. You're approaching it with a worldview that you have not grown up with. So you've had to rewire your brain to think how those who you're reaching think you have become all things to all men. And honestly, that, that can be exhausting at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I am exhausted on Sundays when I've finished, uh, you know, a couple services, Sunday school, and I'm doing Wolof and I'm mm-hmm. doing French and uh, you're thinking in English and French. And I mean, it just, it, just mentally it's draining. And so how I want to ask you this, how do you balance that out? What do you, the Johnson family do? And again, everybody needs to find what works for them, but what do you do to make sure now you do these shorter trips, which is viable and that works for you, but during your trips back, how do you balance your obligations of reporting to churches? Because, and I, maybe obligation is not the right word, but the great responsibility we have and the privilege we have to update churches while at the same time, not wearing yourself out to where you're worse for the wear when it's over. Well, it is an obligation and it is a privilege at the same time. So I don't think there's any, 
any problem saying it's an obligation yeah. because I feel like you're obliged because they have faithfully supported you. But it is also a privilege because you get the joy. And I, I absolutely do love walking into churches where they support us and telling them the good news. I, I think it's part of my absolutely. personality. I like yeah. to make people excited about things that are the things of the Lord. And so I feel the Lord is doing amazing things in our ministries. And so I love telling people, you know, you're not wasting your time <clears throat> praying for us. You're not wasting your money. The Lord's working. So I'm going to give a few tricks and I hope supporting pastors don't take this the wrong way because I, I do believe that my, my desire has been so that our family can enjoy the furlough and we can also co complete those obligations and, and privileges to tell people you're probably not going to believe this, Josh, but since we finished deputation, I think, I think we've only been in three missions conferences. Okay. Okay. So that's number one. Now we are getting more invitations and we try to <clears throat> limit those when we can, because that is a lot for four kids and a wife. And if you have other things you got to go do now, they're, we want to say yes to lots of people, but we try to make it more on a one time or, or, or a whole Sunday, like Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'm fine with that. But trying to be in for a service where you report. Um, I understand churches want to have you in for missions conferences. You want to influence. You've got veterans. But for us as a family, especially when the kids were younger, now as they're getting older, we're saying yes more often. And so we're probably going to numbers going to increase mm -hmm. more. But when they we had I remember a specific one of our favorite churches, probably our second favorite church. Uh, our home church is number one in case there's not, not a, that's not clear. Um, and we had a terrific time, but I know it was so much work for my wife and it was really hard to maybe enjoy it like we did when we were on uh, deputation. And so I realized, well, if the churches just want us to report, I'm going to spend the majority of my time trying us just to go in for the one service where we can report and then our family can go on the next day. And that I think it seems small, but boy, has that made a big difference in enjoying our times. <clears throat> the other thing, Josh, and you said that furlough is not vacation, and it's true. But oftentimes for us, Josh, that is when we actually take our best family vacations. Right. And yeah. it's often the only time that I can get people to watch my kids for two or three or four nights. And so <laughs> a lot of times my wife and I will arrange our vacation, getting away for two nights or something around an area where we go visit a home church, a church. And Yes, it's true. Sometimes the churches are disappointed. We walk in and the kids aren't there. And they, but everybody understands what it is, how important it is for couples to get away. And so those two <clears throat> little logistical tweaks have helped us really enjoy the time going to see churches. And then if not to not to toot our own horn, because we're trying to work on this, but this goes back to one of our first episodes, Josh. The best you can to make the majority of your supporting churches around where your home base is also make it so much nicer mm -hmm. on furlough. So future missionary, I know it's tempting if you have a church that's an hour away and they you hear they support for $50 a month and there's a church that's in Nebraska that's 17 hours away that supports for you know $200 a month. But understand when you come home on furlough, that church in Nebraska is going to expect you to go out there and see them too. And so you really have to be, if you can be strategic and where your home, where your churches are located as far as your home base. And so for us, keeping the churches close, going on just one services if possible. And then uh, was a third oh, thing and taking your wife sometimes just you and your wife 
or, or even some of the kids behind. Sometimes some of the kids will stay back with grandma and grandpa. So for us, that's how we've been able to make it, I believe, very manageable. And here's the truth. When we come home, Josh, I don't know if you're like this. So we'll be home for six or seven weeks, Josh. I think just about every service, we're in a supporting church or a future supporting church, hopefully. We don't, we don't stay in, in one church for like three weeks consecutively. We're always on the go. But because we have proximity, that, that close proximity, it doesn't become like uh, uh, deputation over again. That's such a great point. And yeah, if you're just starting out, try to try to block your churches in certain areas. When we did deputation, we, of course, were all over the place. So we didn't follow that advice. But when we do our furloughs now, we block off regions. So we say, all right, we're going to be yeah, in Virginia. Exactly. We're going to be in Virginia yeah. for three weeks. What churches are Temple in Virginia? Bats. Who can we visit? Who wants us there? You know, and so um, I have found though nowadays, and I'm sure you find the same thing. So many churches uh, and pastors are content with a quality video. Just do a video update. That's and true my, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my suggestion would be, if you're not going to, if you're going on a furlough and you're doing a shorter furlough, which I think the longer furloughs, um, there does reach a point where it does start to get more stressful that you're away from your Mm -hmm. ministry. And I'm going to speak as a man, as a missionary, as the husband. Um, Although, like you said, I have a passion to share the work of God. I love sharing what God is doing with our home churches. I love exhorting our churches for missions. And I love, I love every part of it. I love preaching in our church supporting churches. I love every aspect of furlough, but your work is over there, right? Your work is in your country that you were called Mm -hmm. to go and reach. And there does reach a point where you kind of lose your sense of, you know, it purpose, man, I like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? And so you don't want to get past that point where you start getting stressed out on yourself (laughs) and you start putting pressure on yourself or even start getting into a depressed kind of, you know, what am I even doing? Because with furlough, you are sharing the same updates. You're sharing, sometimes you're sharing the same messages and you're constantly repeating. And so after about six, <laughs> after four months, six months of that, it does reach a point where you're like, all right, am I actually even encouraging anybody? Because I've heard this a million times when <clears throat> you are, because it's the first time the church has heard it, but um, you, you can lose kind of that, you get into that <laughs> monotony and it can get a little bit <laughs> overwhelming. But that being said, I would recommend if you're going to do a shorter furlough, do personalized videos to your supporting churches. Uh, do a video for if you're not going to go see a church and you were there your last furlough, but this furlough, you won't see them. Sit down and do a two minute video and say, hey, Faith Baptist Church, we are so uh, we it is such a privilege, you know, to be a part of your mission team. And mm-hmm. I want to give a quick personal update of what the Lord is doing here <laughs> and just make it quick. And it's that personal touch that they'll feel like you were there, you know. What did the apostle Paul say? He said, I'm judging as if my spirit's already there. Like my spirit's with you uh, because we have the same heart and we have the same love for missions. And so if you can keep, if you can learn to communicate effectively during your term and even on furlough, communicate with churches, you're not going to update. If you can do that, 
then um, I think that you'll accomplish a lot more in a short amount of time and get that rest and recuperation that you're looking for. Uh, I think that's important. How many times, I want to ask you this, do you find now that you're a veteran missionary? Are you asked to preach more or are you still uh, just give a, you know, five minute testimony, 10 minute testimony? What does it look like on a furlough when you're asked to communicate, what do you know? What, what does it look like for you when you go to a church? Good question. Honestly, Josh, I think almost every time I'm asked to speak as well, to preach as well. Now, part of that may have to do with some of the churches I go back to. Um, a lot of our churches down south are smaller churches, and that's just, mm -hmm. I think, a byproduct to a pastor who probably does a lion's share of the preaching, that it's a nice uh, rest for him as well to have a missionary come in and encourage the people. And so I think that's just more predominant. Um, I think the longer you're on the field and hopefully the more you have to say and uh, experiences to relay, uh, it's funny because for whatever reason, and I know pastor, my own pastor Pittman wasn't that he didn't want me to preach, but about eight, nine, 10 years ago, uh, he started having me preach pretty regularly when I came home and for whatever reason, I was looking on our church's website, looking at speakers, and my name came up. And I looked, and I couldn't believe how many times I had spoken there in the last eight <laughs> years. And I was like, wow, they really have been uh, kind to give me the opportunity to speak. And so, yeah, I think as you become a better missionary, that's something that's just way more common. How about you? Yeah, usually the, the longer you're on the field, you go back and visit, you're asked to preach a lot more. Um, I do. I I, I like to go to missions conferences if we're invited and I know you like them, but it is much more feasible. Mm -hmm. It's more practical to, uh, with well, you're, you're the apostle Paul recruiter, man. You, 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 rev, <laughs> I, you rev them up. I've got, I, I just, I, <laughs> trying I, to get help. Get, Come help. I know I, I want to get exposure to Senegal as much as possible. <laughs> and so I'm going to take every opportunity I can. And that's why, again, I, somebody like me, and if you're a missionary like I am, you've got to take a step back and say, hey, am I causing more strain on my wife and kids mm -hmm. by doing this? Um, you know, it is part of the, it's part of the uh, obligations as a missionary. And you need to, um, you need to embrace that with joy. But at the same time, you're right, I think you can gauge whether or not you want to be in a church for a full missions conference, there's, there's a lot of missionaries out there raising support, giving updates and, you know, pastors understand, Hey, I won't be able to be there for this missions conference, but uh, if you can do this. And I found it's maybe, maybe one out of 10 pastors want the entire family there. Um, you'll get that request once in a while. Uh, but even our last furlough, I explained that, hey, because I was asked to preach a, uh, preach a couple missions conferences even. And I said, hey, my mm -hmm. wife is going to be going to Canada um, because her mom has dementia and stuff. And so it'll be just me coming. Maybe one of my kids will be with me. And so they were very, churches are very understanding of that. And so I think as you get older and, and as you, yeah, go ahead. And, and that honestly, I think, even though they are understanding, it really depends on each church because some churches, they really do want you to see the family. And so that, that has actually happened a few times in our cases where I was willing to come back and preach it, but they wanted our whole family. And it's probably because they met my wife and kids and realized they're far more interesting than I am.
<laughs> That's right. Yeah. Our, our little son Ryder, our youngest, he is the star of the show, no matter where we go. And so <laughs> everybody wants to see Ryder. So I at least got to bring him with me. And so we can exactly. keep getting, you know, support from the churches and people will pray <clears throat> faithfully because they remember Ryder and they'll think to pray for us. <laughs> so do you, um, how do you prep for communicating when you go to a church? Cause what, one of the biggest things I would say to a missionary going on furlough is you got to be flexible. Um, you know, it's the same on deputation. If pastor gives you five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, give an update, give a testimony, prepare, you know, preach a message. Um, how do you kind of, do you have same as deputation? You have those different, um, forms of communication ready. And then I want to ask you when you do mm -hmm. preach, do you try to keep it in a certain time limit? And then what do you normally preach on? Because I want to talk about what should you preach as a missionary on furlough? Um, well, yes, obviously the first thing I'd say is you try to do your best ahead of time to kind of have an idea what you're going to do, but always, like you said, be flexible. Right. <clears throat> our family, our family is not necessarily a, a singing family, but there are been a few times where in smaller churches, we felt a little more comfortable. We would sing some Spanish songs. Um, <clears throat> so that's sometimes part of it, but really, yeah, have your, have your, everybody can do a video. There is no excuse for not having a good video. Probably mm -hmm. everybody who's listening to us, who's a preacher of some kind, wherever you are in the world, you had to learn Zoom and how to record stuff in the last two years anyway. So everyone should have a good video, high quality. If you don't know how to make a high quality video, somebody you know does. So everyone should have yeah. a video on a little disc, have it on YouTube. If the church wants to download ahead of time, <clears throat> have it prepared, have a, you know, have a two to five minute testimony. Sometimes the electronics at the church doesn't work. So be prepared to be right away to be able to tell what basically what's in your video and then have a message that in my mind should be anywhere from 25 to 30, 40 minutes. You know, when it's not their home pastor, unless you are like Josh Mead after 30 to 35 minutes, that people start turning you off. So you want to get to it. And personally, there's probably different topics you probably can preach on. I try to the KISS, you know, keep it simple, stupid preach on missions. There's obviously missions is a wide variety. I mean, there's being called into missions. It's our, it's, you know, going to the personal need of evangelism. But I think unless you have a predetermined, like I had a missionary um, a pastor one time asked me to come in and speak on prayer, you know, ahead of time. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, I had to have a message on prayer that way, but, um, but, but, but if, if it hasn't been predetermined with the pastor, I think the understanding is you're coming and speak on something in the area of world evangelism. And so uh, I think those topics are the ones they expect you to have and they expect you to basically be an expert in it. So that's, that's what I preach when I'm there. And my kids, Definitely. by the way, my kids get very yeah. tired of my messages. So I try to have a couple, uh, but you know, you know, I'm busy before oh, we're getting ready for furlough. So I don't, I don't have like 10 messages. I have to have two or three and they're like, which one are we going to hear the one tonight about the Chick-fil-A and the curly fries or this one over here in the Dr. Pepper, you know, and they're not exactly my biggest fans after about hearing it five times. <laughs> That's true. You try. Yeah, it is. It goes with the territory. You know, you're telling the same story over and over and same messages, but um, hey, Dad, you, you told that joke a little different this time. Yeah, exactly. And they'll pick up on those little nuances, <laughs> uh -huh. and the little changes and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I would say definitely <laughs> always verify with the pastor, you know, what's the time limit you got? If he gives you 40 minutes, then try to keep it 35 minutes, you know, and if he, you know, whatever the time limit is, try to go a little shorter. I'm known for going long um, here. What? It works. 
here it works great. Nobody cares if you go long, but um, yeah, when you're in the States, you gotta, you either gotta really keep people's attentions or you just, you gotta cut it short. And um, especially if I'm in a visiting, you know, a new church and I'm asked to preach, I try to keep it short. And one of the ways I've done that is I've had to just cut out introduction. I went back uh, a couple of years back and I, <laughs> I would never watch myself preach. And then I was listening to, mm -hmm. um, uh, preacher podcast talking, you know, giving tips on preaching. And he said, mm -hmm. go back and listen to yourself preach oh, so yeah. that you can, um, critique yourself. I said, all right. So mm -hmm. I went and listened to a few messages and I thought I'm 20 minutes in this thing and I'm still giving introduction like good night. So yes. I need to cut yeah. that down, you know, tweak it, it down, uh, keep it simple. Like you said, um, I would say churches want to hear what's going on on the mission field. And so you need to keep a diary, a catalog, write down stories of blessings, of how you've seen God work, of prayer answered, okay? Keep those stories handy of what God is doing through yeah. your ministry, all right? And then when you go back, you want to prepare a message that's not, you don't prepare a message around your stories, okay? No. But you want to prepare a message. And here's what I would recommend to a young guy who's maybe asked to preach. You're like, oh man, I, you know, I never preached on deputation and now I'm, I'm going to preach in all these churches. What I would say is, look, go to the book of Acts. All right. We missions is just the continuation of what God started doing in the book of Acts. All right. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in the world through evangelism. And so you're continuing that work. So go to the book of Acts find a message in there and develop a real simple outline. And then with the points that you're, you know, taking out of the passage, all right, you want to do exegetical preaching of the passage. So, so preach, right. Learn to preach, right. Okay. Stop, stop going in there and just throwing out. And let me, let me Three put cheese. it this way. Yeah. <laughs> Turn, let me put it this way. Turn your American brain back on when you go back to the States, because maybe the way you've learned to teach and preach into the culture you're at, it doesn't carry over with the American churches. And a lot of missionaries get, they get a bad rep for not being good communicators or good preachers. Mm -hmm. When in fact, when they communicate in their home, in the countries they serve in they're they're excellent communicators. They're well-received because they've learned to communicate in a way that is received in their culture. But then what we do is we go back to our home culture and we keep that turned on. And so now we're, we're still communicating, but this isn't Senegal. You're not communicating to the Senegalese mind. You have to switch that off now and turn your American brain back on and kind of approach things analytically again and approach things critically think. And there's a, there's a different mindset that you have to turn back on as you present the gospel and communicate the gospel. And again, the gospel doesn't change. The Bible doesn't change, but people do think differently. They respond differently and they hear and communicate uh, things differently. And so I would say, yeah, definitely keep it simple, man. Go to the book of Acts, you know, find it, find a passage in there, preach that passage. And then after you've written your outline and you've got the main content, figure out where stories of your experience, instead of just picking random illustrations, all right? I've heard a lot of missionaries, they get up and preach, and then they're given illustrations that they found in a, in a preacher book about some <laughs> granny who did this, you know, and made an apple pie and all. And it's like, wait, wait, they don't want to hear about that. Like your, your pastor, their pastor has that book. <laughs> 
and he'll give those illustrations. Mm -hmm. Bring, tell stories of the mission field and intersperse it mm -hmm. and put it into your, your message. And so one of the ways I like to do that is I like to preach story. Who doesn't love a good story? All right. Everybody loves stories. And that's one thing that is will captivate an audience is a story. And so don't just go in there and preach. You know, we, you want to be doctrinal. You want to be biblical, obviously, but their pastor is there to teach them doctrines and their pastor is there to guide them in their spiritual growth. You're there to encourage them <clears throat> that what God did in the scriptures, he's still doing today. And so find a story in the scripture and preach that story, draw principles out of that story that have mm -hmm. to do with missions and then intersperse it with your own experience. That's my personal, uh, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when I, when a missionary gets up there and he doesn't even mention <laughs> anything about what his last furlough or his term, you know, he doesn't talk about people who got saved. He doesn't talk about things that God did. And it's, it's like, come on, like, we want to hear that, you know, we want to hear what God is doing over there. And so, uh, that's my, that's my <laughs> recommendation. Now, I hope that I didn't, you know, I, I don't know how, what you preach or how you approach what you know, 100%. I, I remember one of the messages I happened to be under yours during a deputation, which was we do not well. And so I remember that message of, of, of a story and getting behind that even <laughs> right. before you had other stories to apply to it. Um, right, right. One thing I want to throw in here, because I think this would be the time to mention it. I think Josh would be uh, one that would amen this is that I think one of the things I try not to do right away when we get home on furlough, maybe the first week I might have one meeting I'm going to report to, but the first couple mm. of times I try to sit under good preaching myself. What well, and, and, and thankfully mm, yeah, in my case, good. it's my home pastor, or there's another, so mm -hmm. a couple of supporting pastors that are close that have just wonderful pulpit ministries. And mm -hmm. I always have this letdown emotionally and just reconnecting you know, going into the supermarkets for the first time. And, you know, we're not living in, in Africa, but it's a big difference. And so for us, it's like, <sighs> catch your breath. <clears throat> and one of the first things we do is sit under good preaching. And oftentimes when a preacher will say, you know, I want to have you in, but I'm in the middle of this series. I always say, Hey pastor, if you just give me two minutes to thank the people for supporting us, I would love nothing more than coming to your church and hearing you preach. Cause we often, don't get to hear good American preaching live. Oh, often, you know, we watch, watch it online, but it's certainly not the same thing. And so I encourage you as missionaries, maybe if you can, those first week or so, get under good preaching. <clears throat> That's also want to throw in, I don't know if we're going to get to it or not in my notes, but if you can be cognizant to look ahead of time, if you're only going to be home for a few weeks, months, if there are conferences when you're home, if there are marriage retreats, if there are camps for your kids, make sure you blot out time for that. We last year found out our kids could have gone to camp and we didn't know ahead of time. And so this year we're going home for six weeks for my sister's wedding, connect with some churches, and my kids are going to be able to go home and go to Bill Rice Ranch Camp with our home church. And they are ecstatic about that. And so, but that takes foresight and realizing how necessary that is for your kids, your wife, and for you too to be, recharge your batteries under good preaching, not just you always preaching the same two or three messages. That's right. I usually <laughs> leading up to a furlough, I'll start looking up good missions, uh, preaching, you know, find, try to find mm -hmm. some mission conferences that are online. And I try to listen to that. A lot of my, 
uh, deputation messages, if I did preach or even furlough, when we would sit under preaching, like the we do not well from the uh, three, the lepers who uh, were outside the city <laughs> gates, Samaria is, is starving. And it's, it, I love that story. But I sat under Don Sisk, who preached a similar message on that passage. And I'm reading this story and, I'm, and it's just jumping out at me, but it's things that he <laughs> brought up. And I told him, I, I've, I've taken most of your messages are just messages I've tweaked that you've preached it. So, and there's uh -huh. nothing wrong with that. Find some great mission hey, books. I have just, a funny story about that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, there's a, a Dominican preacher who's just gone home to glory and he would put every single one of his messages with the notes and everything online. And so for yeah. years he would share with me all his messages and he was particularly wonderful and messages for the family. So one year when he came to do our family ministry, our family month, uh, family conference, I said in front of the pulpit, I said, you know, if you guys hear some messages that sound familiar from Pastor Mayen, <laughs> the thing is sometimes he asks me for my notes. And so he may be using, and, and he had, I mean, he was a seasoned pastor and he had this great, great laugh about that, but no, absolutely that is one thing as preachers, we get a lot of good outlines, but then you make it your own as Josh is talking about yeah. by your experiences. And that's what connects with people who will actually pray for those in your church. When you mention them by name, people are looking for names they can cling to and pray for. Yeah. I would recommend <laughs> to you. It depends on how your mind works and how you're organized. Um, I'm not the most naturally organized guy. I'm not, you know, I, I struggle at that. I really have to work hard at being organized, but um, the way my brain works, I, I like to have themes. So, so what I would recommend is maybe come up with a theme for your furlough, for your preaching, for your prayer cards, uh, for your display. Mm -hmm. Even when you give a five minute testimony, incorporate a theme into it. And mm -hmm. so um, whatever that theme is, whether it's a Bible verse and you took a, a passage or a, you know, a phrase out of a Bible verse and that's your theme churches do that right every year, uh, this year is to the uttermost or something like that. Our theme for mm -hmm. our last furlough was my uttermost. And we turned that mm -hmm. into our website and we took that from acts one, eight, where Jesus said, <clears throat> you will go be witnesses unto the uttermost. And then we want to, we encouraged our churches to personalize the uttermost, uh, make it my uttermost. And you need to reach those who have never heard the gospel in your community. Where is the uttermost? We, and so this was a theme, no matter what message I would preach, it could have been the, you know, from the first Samuel, it could have been from Acts, it could have been from Isaiah, but it was a missions message that somewhere I would incorporate that theme of making missions personal that today's world, the uttermost is anyone who's never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. That could be your immigrant neighbor who just moved in from Iran mm -hmm. next door to you. Absolutely. They, they are the uttermost just <laughs> as much as Senegal is the uttermost because the uttermost is not a place. It's, it's a, it's people have never heard. So I'm, yeah, I know I get into whole preaching here, but that's the point. Like if you get it, you mm -hmm. get a theme down, and then you can have just a concise, this is, this is what we're doing. And so when people pick up your prayer card and they see, oh, my uttermost, not only are they challenged to pray for you, but they remember that theme that you've been sharing and that you've emphasized. And it just, it, it brings a deeper connection, I would say, with you. You're not just trying to have good quality material. That's important. Mm -hmm. But you want them to, to go away truly exhorted in the Lord 
uh, truly challenged for the area of missions and you wanted to stick with them over time because that's the work of the gospel minister is to challenge people to grow, to be more like Christ and more obedient mm-hmm. to Christ. And so um, that that's my one of my recommendations. Is there anything you want to add to that? I wanted to get into a couple other topics here yeah. and ask you a couple questions. Yeah, real quick. No, I, it's funny. It's funny that you bring that up because I never thought about it. We don't do it to the extent you're talking about as far as your prayer cards, but every video we make has exactly that, a theme. And I guess subconsciously, I hadn't realized until you were speaking about it, but years ago, we had one on open doors. And it was when someone had lent us a church for two years while we saved up money to mm-hmm. build. Another one was firm foundations. And that's when we first built our building. And then this last one was great as his faithfulness, great as my faithfulness, because we've talked about how great the Lord's faithfulness was during COVID. And I think what it does, missionary, is that it helps you when you get up to the pulpit and you maybe sometimes get lost or you get like, mm-hmm. Hey, what am I supposed to be talking about? You like, like our video said, this is what's been happening. Yeah. And really, I think it just sticks with, with the, the congregant in the church, the pastor, what's going on. Oh, open doors. They're beginning firm foundations. They're building. They're going forward. I think on the next one, I'm actually today going to be starting our next one because we're going home in five weeks onward or something to that effect, you know, yeah, yeah. Something going forward, you know, and the idea is like, Hey, we had these, these difficulties the last few years, but man, the Lord is helping us continue to go forward. And I think that just helps us. And so maybe now by inspiration, I'll start working on the materials to have it on there as well. That's, there that's some pretty go. high level stuff by Josh. There you <laughs> go. Well, no, it's important. And like you said, it helps keep your thoughts together. So you're not just kind of <clears throat> rambling off into space and you are coherent. Um, and again, like I said, yeah, it's not everybody is. Not I got a question, Joshua. I'm sorry. I'm old. Yeah, I gotta yeah. ask you this question. No, please. We talk about this. Yeah. When you when you get home, do you have trouble preaching in English right away? I do the first month usually, and fortunately, my home church allows me to preach there, and my grandma's church she attends. They'll have me come preach and they don't mind if I make a mistake. I've several times I've just I've spit something out in French or I've <laughs> I, you're thinking in French or like you, you're probably thinking in Spanish and the English words aren't coming. It takes about a month before I'm back thinking in English and able to communicate uh, coherently back in English. Yeah, it's true. That makes me feel so much better because my furloughs are usually only a month and a half long. And so that's why I'm like, I'm so lost. And here's the thing. I don't know if anyone else is like this. You're like this too, Josh. We've been on the field 13, 14 years. You've preached... 13 years in another language. I never did a lot of preaching. I only preached in English probably 50 times before, maybe a little bit more, but not much. You know, how many thousands of times now I've preached in Spanish. So it's naturally for me to come home and, and, and not so much speaking English, but communicating in that way. And so that, that's something that we, I'm sure pastors at home don't think about, but that is a little tiny difficulty when you get home furlough, be prepared to speak. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you need to get that and get that in gear. And that's another aspect of furlough, especially if you're taking an extended furlough is your furlough. I don't know about for you with your shorter trips back, but for us, if we're taking a six to eight month furlough, our furlough actually starts about a month before we leave the country (laughs) because you're sending emails you're scheduling, you know, a year in advance. Sometimes it's even two months ahead 
before you leave and all throughout the year that you are leaving, you're sending out emails, you're letting churches know. And then that final three weeks that you're in synagogue or in the, you know, in your country, you're there, but you're not really there. And that's when you begin making the transition during those couple of weeks of making sure everything is covered when you leave. So what's that process look like, like for you? You got to leave somebody in charge at church. What do you do with your home? What about bills? Now you're not away that long, but what does that look Mm -hmm. like for you? I'll share a little bit about what we do. So over the years, it's gotten easier. Um, The only exception to that is when we had teammates or uh, young preacher boys in the church, I did not have to fill the pulpit as often that I do now, or, you know, coordinate as much, but um, really, thankfully, uh, the bill situation as far as paying online or leaving that with somebody else is a lot easier than it used to be. Uh, But now with a mature church, and I praise the Lord, after 13 years, we have people in great places that it really just takes time to, you know, do a good amount of notes for everybody to know plan A, plan B, plan C, and emergency plan. Uh, But really, it does take like I'm working now five weeks out on making sure and weeks ago, you know, months ago, I was lining up pastors. We have our two church planners that'll come in and help. But then I also get other pastors to come in and encourage the people. Um, And so thankfully, because it's shorter times, it doesn't take nearly as much work as it did in the past. When I remember our first trip, Josh, I can't believe, I mean, I praise the Lord. I, I prayed about it, but the people you left in charge, you're like, I'm so glad I still have a church, you know, and uh, other missionaries helped out to come do the preaching. But I think missionary men have to understand the work is what the Lord has called us to do. But you know what? Our families are even above the work. And so you have to balance that out. You have to know when your family needs a rest full time or time to reconnect with their their mom and dad, your wives at least. And so you just balance it out and you say, honey, you know, this is how much I can, how long I can leave it in these people's hands. If I have to, I can fly back and oversee things and you can stay back. But, you know, we're giving all kinds of scenarios and really the people who are listening, there's probably 50 to a hundred other scenarios. So much of it, you know, like for instance, in our case, one of the reasons we take shorter furloughs is we don't necessarily have a place where we can go stay for months at a time, mm. even though our families are wonderful and loving and they give us their home. You know, nobody wants someone in their home more than two, three weeks at a time. It just <laughs> changes your schedule too much. And, and that's just true. I don't want someone in my house much longer than two or three weeks. And so a lot of it just has to do with your own dynamic and what works for you and your family. And obviously your distance from, uh, you know, home base. Yep. That's right. Um, it is a transition. Um, course now for us it's much easier because pastor malik is the lead pastor and so mm-hmm. i'm not leaving the church in somebody Big else's hands terms. it's his church and if he want, when i come back he actually is the one who schedules me to preach and when he wants me to take different <coughs> responsibilities and so and of course we're expanding uh into other church planting ministries and so for where we're at right now we're much more flexible with leaving and what we do um, before it, it was complicated either we if when we worked with the other missionaries that were here, then obviously it was real easy, they would, they were in charge when we were away and we were in charge when they were away. Uh, so that worked out. Uh, and then when they left the field, 
and before Pastor Malik took the lead, you know, came as uh, to help us. Yeah, it was a little more complicated. We couldn't really, really, and I'm trying to think if we left, I can't remember. I don't think we were ever gone where there was somebody that was here that could take it over. So we did maybe like a month trip home one time where we just mm -hmm. said, Hey, we're, we're going to have to not meet, you know, for a month or so. And that was when there was maybe a handful, just a couple people attending anyways. And then fortunately, very quickly, Pastor Malik ended up joining us. And so he was always there. Our biggest difficulties of trying to figure out what the transition was paying bills, paying salaries. Uh, we have somebody that comes to clean the center and clean the ministry, the mission area, and even our home, cause it can get layered in dust. So their salary has to be paid. Um, Pastor mm -hmm. Malik's salary needs to be paid and, and then bills have to get paid. And so it, it was mm -hmm. a little complicated. Sometimes I would do maybe six months advance in envelopes and I would set those aside. And then I would maybe mm -hmm. wire the money later or whatever, but now it's so much easier with digital. Um, mm -hmm. You can do everything online. Now we, we have an app on our phone. I can pay our electric bills, mm -hmm. our water bills. So all I have to do nice. is make sure I've got, you know, maybe that's if I'm even doing better than it, us. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love it. And if you've got that, mm -hmm. I, it's a, it is a blessing. All I do is load up my uh, it's called orange money, orange money. And it's the mm -hmm. uh, internet mm -hmm. company. You just load mm -hmm. up with, um, usually I'll put about $5,000 on it if I'm going to be away for, you know, eight months and then, uh, yeah, four to $5,000. <clears> and then I'll send the money every month that needs to be sent for salaries. I send it directly to Malik's phone. He takes it out at the, uh, at the internet company and then he distributes it. And then I pay all my bills online as they come in. And so, yeah, there's a lot of different ways, but, uh, it's that you can approach it but that definitely, it takes time and thought put into it. The biggest thing mm -hmm. is uh, who are you going to leave your church, you know, in their hands. So yeah, I wanted to bring this up because there's, there are a few misconceptions. Sometimes I, I did have a conversation with a pastor one time and he asked me this question and maybe we did talk about this earlier on another missions uh, on another podcast, but he basically said, he said, you know, like, how can you be away that long from your ministry? And he said, if I was to leave as the lead pastor and leave my church for six months, my church would fall apart. And I thought about that. I thought, well, I thought, I guess I see where you're coming from. Your church needs a pastor. But also, what if you drop dead tomorrow? Your church going to fall mm -hmm. apart without you? It means maybe you're not, maybe you're not fully doing your job if your church is that dependent on you, but that's not the point. God blesses churches with pastors. A church needs a pastor. It's part of a church's growth, but we are dealing with missions uh, on a foreign culture, which is a unique aspect of missions. Your goal generally as the missionary is to plant an indigenous self-supporting self reproducing church. And so one of the ways to gauge how that growth is going and the health of your church is by stepping away from it for an extended period of time. And what is real will remain mm -hmm. because a lot of times you can go for a year or two communicating to your church, thinking that you're seeing growth. People are saying, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. 
but then you step away and re- and everything falls apart. It's not because you're not mm-hmm. there. It's probably because maybe you weren't communicating <clears throat> what you thought you were communicating. And so um, mm-hmm. it does allow for a time to evaluate what needs to be emphasized. Uh, Eric Bowman, the uh, director for Africa for BIMI, he said it whenever he would leave the field, he would leave different nationals in charge of different ministries. And when he came back from furlough, he said, if any of the ministries that I had started were no <laughs> longer functioning while after I had been gone, then he said, I would just leave them because obviously it was a ministry that was dependent on me and I don't want that. And so the ministries that remained that functioned without me, well, those are the ministries that are going to be successful and that don't need me to be here to do. And so he would emphasize and pour more of his time and investment in those ministries. And so it is a great time for you to be able to evaluate where your church is. When you get back, you can figure out what needs to be evaluated, where you can grow. And then it allows the national church to step up and take the responsibility of leading the church taking the responsibility of their own spiritual growth and uh, stepping up. And so have you seen negative and positives to being on furlough from your church? Cause you don't do extended. So, I mean, you're not away that long. So it is always a situation as, as, as much as we talk about being that missionary pastor that trains up believers to take over the ministry, that's second Timothy two, two. And that is our goal. We understand that people are people, they need to mature. And so there have certainly been different times when we've left, because I think we've left one time for two and a half months. Uh, and we had a, a, a missionary who was here for part of that time. And part of that time was other, our other church planters who are not the pastors. They, they, they were trained in our church. They know our church, but they're not the pastor. And so when the pastor is gone, I've learned that it is important because people lose loved ones. I don't know how many times I praise the Lord that I've come back. And that first week that I've been back home on from furlough, someone's dad died or someone's, you know, kid died or whatever. And I've been asked to come preach. Thankfully in our absences, we've never had a major uh, person in the church or a family member connected to the church that's passed because they really do rely on me as their pastor. And so oftentimes I'm wearing that pastor hat instead of the missionary hat. But as Josh mentioned, we do have to let them kind of sink and swim sometimes. We have to let them take that ownership. And I, I'm so thankful that over the years that this last furlough we had, there were five different men in our church. Now, two are pastors, the other three are not, <clears throat> who took over a teaching or preaching role in our absence. And probably of all the things we've ever done, I'm more proud of that, that men could take the reins and even some just teaching simple messages have that assurance that it's not pastor eric's church it's it's our church it's the church of jesus christ but it's but it's our church we have that ownership there but that takes time and i think you do have to be very careful there is a balance missionary because i have seen it where missionaries had a a family situation where they family had to get home and get a, a reset for a number of weeks or months but the work wasn't ready and they left and it really did kind of topple flat and so it, yeah. you know there is a preparation but josh i have seen it where Guys left and they came back to basically ruins and had to restart. And so as an advisor, because people have asked me, you know, what should Mm -hmm. you do? Well, because of travel and because of support, you can come home oftentimes. Now, it's not preferable. 
And you'd rather be here as your missionary with your family. But there are times where I feel like the missionary man has to come back and, and just make sure he's still feeding the flock, you know, and has that because it, you know what, our family is number one and you have to take care of them, but the work is also important. And so you have to find that balance. And a lot of that just has to do with your training while you're there. So that sometimes, and don't be afraid to have a month where there's really low attendance. When you come back, you train them up. Uh, but you have to be careful and to know you're leaving it in good, in good enough hands, we'll say. I absolutely agree. And that's where you have to know what <clears throat> your role is to the church that you're planting. Like you said, you function in full responsibilities as pastor, you pastor that church. Right now, I'm more of an evangelist pastor in the mm -hmm. church. I do a lot of evangelism. I, I'm able to travel more. I've uh, to get out and, and help others evangelize. We do a lot of evangel evangelistic video production, things like that. Um, whereas if you're in the early stages of the church, and you do have to make a trip back home, like you said, you need to prioritize the health of your family, but you're also a pastor in a church. And the apostle Paul said, I cared for you as a father nourishes his children. Right. And so you need to keep that in mind as well. And I like what you said, if you're going to be, you know, a year in the States, you know, if you have to make a trip back to your country where you're serving, get back there. You know, most missionaries, I wrote this down because when I, I thought about that, when that pastor said, cause it's a justifiable question, where would I be if I left my church for a year? Um, that that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Where would you be? Absolutely. And I really thought that through. I think, first of all, most missionaries, they're not going to leave an unstable work just because a furlough is on the schedule. Okay. Most men right. on the mission field, Probably they're not, most aren't chomping at the bit to get back to the States. Maybe your first furlough you mm -hmm. are, and then you get back and realize yeah, you didn't really miss much. Okay. So, um, but that being said, exactly, most are going to not leave a work <laughs> that they know is going to fall apart. Most furloughs are taken with a very specific objective to be completed, which is often crucial to the effectiveness mm -hmm. and longevity on the foreign mission field. And so you need to schedule mm -hmm. your furloughs with that objective that I, I'm doing this because if I don't, let's say my church is going to take two steps back because I'm going on mm -hmm. the six month furlough. But if I stay, that's going to be a detriment to my family because we're in mm -hmm. a spiritual crisis right now, a mental health crisis. <clears throat> but if I stay and force this thing, maybe my church stays where it is, but then in two years we're done. Like we we're leaving mm -hmm. the field because we just, we can't do it anymore. Then where's your church at? Um, and so, yeah, be very strategic and, and know, evaluate the health of your family, the health of your church, and be, try to pastor that as you are shepherding mm -hmm. kind of what you're doing with this uh, furlough and your home church. You want to mention something? Yeah. And you mentioned something there that I wanted to throw in because I'm not sure we're going to have enough time is that often furloughs are not planned. They're thrust upon us, whether they're medical situations or deaths in families right. or just situations. And so, when you know you're not in a spot to leave the work, you know, I just did it this time. Now we're, we're in a good spot, but like my wife had an opportunity to go home for nine days. Uh, we've been sending her home more frequently to deal with a, a family member who's going through some health situations. And after talking to my pastor, my pastor said, that's a great idea. If you can handle it, the kids for a week, week and a half, and she can go home and, and take care of those things, that's a great blessing. Another thing 
For instance, at the end of this year, for those who don't know, my wife has a um, pacemaker. And so we're working our furlough around a time where she's going to have her pacemaker replaced. And so many times the furlough is, is rolled around activities or, or events, um, whether they be uh, physical in nature or whatever. But everybody's country is also different. I don't know how it is for you, but in our country at Christmas time, pretty much after the middle of December until the middle of January, people just scatter. Okay. And that's for 13 years, no matter how much I try to, you know, keep people, they're, they're gone. They go different places. So mm-hmm. sometimes we go home for Christmas. We do all of our activities by the 15th of December. We hop a plane on the next day and we go home to America for like four Sundays or three Sundays and four weeks and we're back. And you know what? There's people who hadn't been back to church yet because they've been visiting Aunt Martha because they have these month long vacations at Christmas time. And so whatever it is for your mission field, maybe summertime, people tend to go off to the, the mountains or go off to the beaches or whatever. You know, find a time where it's like, hey, as you mentioned, that one missionary would take every third year and he wouldn't even be there for the summertime. You know, every culture is different. And so if you're smart enough to work around maybe a lull time, That'll also help that your church won't have the biggest, the biggest hit. Yep, definitely. And that's all part of shepherding, right? You, you <clears throat> take into consideration those times and those seasons and, um, you know, and it depends on the objective of your church planting, you know, are you, are you there as a pastor? Are you there? Uh, is your church going to be a central <laughs> headquarters where you're going to train men and send them out? Are you the lead pastor of this work? And so if your role as a veteran missionary is more of a lead pastor on the field where you're training men and sending them to other parts of your country, that's a very effective way of church planting, but it means you have more responsibility and obligations to the local church you have started. So you need to take that into consideration every time you do a furlough uh, because people look to you as the lead pastor, but at the same time, um, whenever we read scriptures, you do see while churches had a lead pastor, somebody kind of who had the final say, I think of the <clears> council <throat> at Jerusalem, the apostle James, he, the pastor church at Jerusalem, he had the final say, but you mm-hmm. have, you have a plethora of those who are mature that have pastor qualifications to lead the church, whether it's deacons or other pastors that are there to shepherd the flock. And so you need to constantly be cultivating that leadership within your church as well so that your church doesn't suffer greatly when you're away and we've tried to put certain of these biblical principles into practice and what we found and i think this is a testament not to what we've done but to biblical principles that we've implemented every time we leave on a furlough whether it's a one month (laughs) or a six month trip back to the States. When we come back, the work has actually advanced more than when we were here. Uh, More ministries have been added, more people added to the church. And so Mm -hmm. that's a testament to just (laughs) doing things God's way works. And so just constantly be looking at, am I following the leading of the Lord? Am I shepherding my family? Am I allowing us to get recuperated? Am I, am I going beyond what is what I can handle? <clears throat> We're going to talk about this on another podcast, maybe about just kind of the uh, working with other missionaries. All right, and that one, that one will be an interesting podcast because yeah, yeah. there isn't a missionary team that I have ever heard of 
except for one that have been like almost a perfect team. And even that one team I've heard of that shared how they did great together. They even had their little quirks and, and things like that. And so we'll have another podcast on that. But again, we did a furlough, our first furlough, we left early because of some stresses that were there with interpersonal relationships without going into too many details. And that being said, you've got to be able to gauge, hey, if I don't leave now, it can get bad. And so I'm going to, we're going to go back now, we're going to reset so that we're not resentful and that we can go back and, and, you know, be ready to face these challenges with refreshed and renewed spirit uh, to do the work of the Lord here. Well, we have um, really gone past an hour. I think there's so much more we could talk about. I just want to finish by saying this, and I'm, I want to give you the final word to just wrap it up. But when you're traveling missionary, um, you know, when it comes to communicating, because that's what furlough is about, you're, you're edifying your churches, challenge them for missions, <clears throat> tell them stories about your mission field. And then I would just say this, be light. Don't, don't be, mm. don't make it real heavy. All right. Uh, use, <laughs> use humor if possible, you know, in your, in your people remember humor. And the reason I say that mm -hmm. is because humor is what gets you along on the mission field. You've got to be able to laugh yes. at yourself. And so be <laughs> able to uh, sh share, share that with your church family. And then I would end it with saying this, when you're presenting to your churches, maybe you did just come from a difficult place. Maybe you just came from a, a spiritual <clears throat> crisis. You went through mm -hmm. a, a, a hard time. Your churches don't know what you just went through on this term. That's right. But I would say this, when you go to report to your churches, be realistic, okay, about your mm -hmm. experience, but don't be pessimistic. All right. Mm -hmm. I've, I've met some missionaries who they've been beat up by their last term. They haven't yeah. quit yet, but man, it's just all negative. It's horrible. It's mm -hmm. awful. And they let their churches know. And it's just, it's such a, ugh, it kills the spirit of mission so quickly. I would say, be realistic. Hey, it's not easy. Like, what were we supposed to do when we went back on our first furlough and we had not led anybody to Christ? I mean, what do you talk about? Right? So you have to be realistic, wow. but you have to be, but don't be pessimistic. So that that's what I would say. Be humorous, put some humor in there, be joyful. Uh, always look at the top side of things, be realistic, mm -hmm. but try to avoid being pessimistic because <laughs> this is the work of the Lord and he is worthy of our utmost praise and honor. And that has to do even with the way we report about what God is doing on the mission field. Eric, go ahead and close it out and uh, just kind of summarize this whole thing. <clears throat> well, as, as, as always, Josh was very spiritual and I'm going to be carnal. But uh, one of the things we didn't talk about, which just seems like most people don't have to be told this, but some do because I've met parents that need to be told this. Make sure you have fun when you're home. Do Definitely, fun things yes. with your family. Your yeah, kids, yeah. for the most part, have sacrificed a great number of things. Mm -hmm. Your wife has sacrificed a great number of things. Now, everybody is different. I'm not going to say go to Disney World or go do this. Do what your family likes to do or what you think they would love to do and have never done before, whether it's visiting special sites and places in America that you've never been or going to ball games. In our case, once I know where I'm going to furlough, I start looking at the Nat schedule and the Orioles schedule. We start lining up <laughs> ball games we're going to go to. I grew up in the D.C. area, so 
My kids now, as we go home, we're taking time to go to the different museums that I grew up with. They love that. They love history. They love science. They love. And so that is a big part of those building blocks we put on our schedule. It's not just going to the churches. It's, hey, for instance, for those of you familiar with sight and sound, this year, our kids didn't need a bunch of Christmas gifts. And so we knew we were going home. I said, listen, we're going to get you tickets to sight and sound. They're not cheap. Um, but this is going to be a fun experience. It's a good family experience, yeah. you know, and we want them to, when they come back, say, you know, we're here in the field. We love our job. We love our work. We're doing everything we're doing. But man, when we go home, dad, mom, they take care of us. We do a lot of fun things. We see family. And so dad is as important as it is to report as important as it is to get to those doctor's appointments. It's very important to do fun memories. They don't have to be expensive, but then you do fun memories with the family. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. <clears throat> this morning, I, um, I was doing some video editing. My son came down and, um, last night we did a little laser tag war together and we were having some fun. <laughs> we're doing some, uh, we're making little movies together. And so I had to mm. run out to the bank. And when I got back, he had gone back upstairs. And when I pulled up my computer screen, he had left me a little note and he said, dad, I love you. Thanks so much for playing laser tag. I love spending time with you. I love you, Tristan. And man, I just started crying. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, that's, that's the best stuff, man. Yeah. That's what it's all about. You, you know, dads, you only have this short time <laughs> with your kids before they, they leave the house and you need to cultivate yeah, those memories with awesome. them. Don't let them just think that, you know, oh, it, the missions was my dad's thing. And he was always busy and yeah, no, you know, make, get your kids involved in the mission ministry, have fun with them, cultivate those great memories. And I couldn't a hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with what <laughs> you said, Eric. I really appreciate that. Was there one more thing you wanted to add? Yeah. And that's just it. You know, this last week, Holly being gone, I had to spend more time with the kids. Yeah. I feel like I do, but same thing, playing wiffle ball with them and their friends, same idea. It's just yeah. like, man, dad, it was so much fun. I'm like, I thought I spent time with you before, but I guess I don't spend as much yeah. as I should. And so yeah. <laughs> when we're all long, when they're long gone, we're, those are the times where we're going to remember a lot more than the other things we worry about. That's right. Well, this is Josh Mead from Senegal, West Africa. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to share this with a missionary that you know who is just about to finish their first term and go on furlough. We want to be a blessing to them. And uh, we want to thank you for being a faithful listener. If you've made it all the way to the end, hey, good on you. That's great. And so we want, we appreciate you. Hey, we're still <laughs> trying to get to 100 subscribers on YouTube. And I want to give away That's a right. gift card. Um, and so we got, a 20, right we got a $25 right gift there. card that we're going to send to our one of our first 100 subscribers on YouTube. And so, hey, go over and do that. Encourage do your friends to do it. And uh, we appreciate Get it. Get your so, moms involved. That's right. They, they, they need to hear this, right? So, all right. Well, this is Josh Mead from Senegal, West Africa. Eric Johnson, the Dominican Republic. God bless. Have a great day. <laughs>